Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you um, again for allowing us to study your word. Um, as we're going through Acts, we're seeing um, how your spirit is moving. Um, and I just pray that we can continue to learn, continue to grow, um, and continue to um, share with each other our understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we're heading to Acts chapter 10. Um, we did Acts chapter 9 last week, or at least part of it. So we're heading to um, Acts chapter 10. Um, Acts chapter 10 is quite, well, to be fair, from, from when we really dealt with Stephen, which is Acts chapter 7, all the way up to maybe Acts 12, um, we're seeing a transition, right? And Acts chapter 10 is probably the biggest um, chapter in terms of that transition that we see. Um, hence why we're covering it. So this is quite an important book um, in, in Acts. Um, who wrote Acts? I ask this question every week and it seems to take so long. Luke. Luke, right? Luke, cool. So Luke wrote Acts and Luke is actually a Gentile. Luke isn't a Jew. So um, Acts and this specific chapter has quite a lot of relevance to even the writer. Hence probably why we see um, so much, you know, writing taken for um, taken up with this. In fact, he writes more about this than he does the conversion of Paul, right? So um, that kind of tells us a, a lot about the importance of this chapter, right? It's an origin story. Yeah, well, it's not quite Luke's origin story, but yeah, it's, an, it's his origin story of sorts, for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Um, should we do a recap of where we are in Acts? Maybe that would help. So, who wants to help me with the recap? What happens right at the start of Acts? Pentecost. Okay, just before Pentecost. Amen. No, I don't know. <laughs> right at the start of Acts. If your Bible has titles, say that again. Jesus ascends. Jesus ascends, right? So Jesus is actually with them at the start of Acts, right? Um, and he, he ascends into heaven, right? Then, um, and he leaves them with their commission. Then what happens, Reuben? Pentecost. Pentecost. Cool, right? So Pentecost happens, um, the, the tongues of fire, speaking all kinds of languages, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we kind of follow Peter and the rest of the disciples as they grow within the early church. And we see a lot of this, they were in one accord, they were in one mind and they were giving and they were praying and the spirit was being poured out, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, Peter goes into jail um, he gets broken out of jail, you know, they're preaching in the synagogues, there's several miracles happening. Um, and then we kind of start to see um, a little, some, some small issues start to come up in the church. So we see Ananias and Sapphira. We get past Ananias and Sapphira, then we see, um, we see 
Stephen, well, we see, before we get to Stephen, we see some um, difference between the different types of Jews that are in the early church at this point. And so that actually gets sorted. Um, and then we get to Stephen, who was appointed a deacon, and he preaches and gets martyred at the stoning of Stephen, who was there. Paul. 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 And then um, from that, Paul's um, heart starts to get pricked. And although he's still on his uh, mission to capture all the, the Christians, what happens? What happens to Paul as he's going to get the Christians? Did this last week? Anybody? No? Well, okay. So Paul... Um, Damascus. Damascus, sorry. Damascus. He's going to Damascus. Yeah, what happens? Yeah, and uh, light in the sky, Paul, Paul, why do you press? Sorry, Saul, like Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Cool. Um, and uh, he goes and he sees he's blind, and then he sees Ananias and uh, go through a lot of turmoil. And basically, he does a complete one eighty, and uh, he comes out of that experience ready to go. Basically, awesome, cool. So. We see the conversion of Paul. Um, he does that 180 that Reuben just spoke about, and he is now preaching Jesus, right? And so the first maybe seven, eight chapters of Acts focus on the person and ministry of Peter as the leader of the disciples um, and generally the leader of the early church. And then we see over the next few chapters uh, a transition from Peter to Paul. And so, again, this is one of those chapters in which transitions. So we get the conversion of Paul, and then we get hit by, um, by chapter 10. So let's go. Um, let's start from verse 1. If anyone would like to read. There was a certain man in Siberia called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called Italian Band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God all, always. He saw in a vision... All right, let's stop there, let's stop there, let's stop there, right? Okay. Um, right, Caesarea, right, um, is named after Caesar. So this is um, a, a, a town... Um, named after Augustus Caesar, right? And this guy is a centurion. What's a centurion? A leader of a hundred men. men, right? So in the Roman army, you have like um, legions and then um, within your legion, you have centurions, right? And so a legion is about 6,000 men. Um, so there's probably about 60 centurions in a legion, right? So 
you've got the centurion, he's leader of 100 men. What kind of person would you describe the centurion to be? Probably distinguished. Distinguished, yeah. Anything else? How would they get that title of centurion? Could you imagine? A proven leader in battle. Proven leader in battle. So yeah, so they probably like, had some acts of valor. They've probably done something pretty good. You know, they're probably the, the top of their class in training or whatever it is. Um, you know, fearless, you know, good leader, as Tyler said. Whatever the thing was um, that made them stand out so that they could be a leader of 100 men, right? Um, so this is what this guy is, named Cornelius, right? And part of the Italian band. Now, I'm not sure what the Italian band is specifically, but um, it seems to be some... Um, level of of seniority among among um among i guess sections of troops so you know there must have been several different bands of soldiers i think it um, relates to the fact that the romans used to conscript from several different nations to come to the army so this is um certain men from italy right um and what does it say about him I didn't really get that second part because it sounds like he's more of a devout Jew than some of the Jews. Cool, right? It says he's a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, right? Um, which gave many alms to the people and prayed to God always. So this centurion, this so-called um, Gentile, you know, this, this um, man who should be oppressing the Jews um, is as Ruben said, quite strangely, probably more godly than most of the Jews. Is that strange? With their worldview, yes. With our worldview now, probably not so much. Okay, explain that a bit more. I mean, the idea was that, you know, we are the people of God. We are the ones in the right. None of you have a chance. So why would you try in a way? Uh, I think maybe that's an oversimplification, but that's kind of the vibe I'm picking up. Cool, right? Definitely. So as mean, Jesus says, you know, many sheep provide that are not of this fold. A lot of the time we look at the label as the last indicator of whether someone was actually belonging to God or not. For sure, for sure, right. So in those times, being a Jew was everything, you know, um, and being a Hebrew Jew even more so. So, you know, if you were a Jew that left um, Israel or left Jerusalem, um, then you were Jew, but you still have, you know, you still probably get looked down upon. Um, so the Greece and Jews or the Jews that were in Samaria or, um, you know, were, were, you know, if they fixed up then maybe you'd be accepted but still not as much as someone who was always here um let alone someone from elsewhere that's you know um, a completely different person of a different completely way of life you know it, you, you're unclean people could you can even eat with people like that 
put a sit at a table with a Roman and eat food, it was seen as unclean. Um, and much more even the, the Romans, because the Romans were the people who were actually occupying them. So maybe if you were from, I don't know, um, Assyria or something like that, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. But the fact that you are part of the people that are actually in our land um, controlling us makes it all the more worse, right? However, it's strange because when we see centurions in the Bible, we're actually seeing them in quite a good light. Um, if we turn to Matthew chapter 8, um, and we can read a little story quickly. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 15, verses 5 to 13. Right? So we see a centurion mentioned. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. I'll read the first couple. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick with palsy, grievously tormented. Verse 7, anyone? Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word for me where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. Um, I'll just finish. Verse 12. But the children of the kingdom of heaven shall be cast out into utter darkness. Um, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and thou as thou hast believed, so it will be done. And his servant was healed in the same, um, the self same hour. So we have here um, a story where a centurion has, um, by, in Jesus' words, mo the most faith that he has seen in all of Israel. Right, um, and so this idea that a centurion is um, you know, has faith in Jesus, you know, prays to God, is a devout person, shouldn't be surprising. But it is surprising, right? Especially to the Jews, very surprising. But you would have thought that the disciples themselves, having seen this example, would have thought, oh, maybe centurion is not so bad, but we'll see. All right, so let's continue. Let's head back to Acts um, chapter 10. There's also a centurion as Jesus is um, dying that says, surely this was the son of God, right? So centurions seem to have this um, this positive um, this positive view in the Bible, um, at least in the Gospels. Um, so we see the centurion again, um, a devout man, feared God uh, with all of his house, gave men much arms, so he's very giving, and he prays to God always. Okay, let's continue. Verse three. 
You guys are going to have to do a lot of reading today. About the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God comes into him. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said, I come up for a memorial before God. Okay, I think I think we caught it. Cool. Okay. Um did everyone did everyone catch that? Yes, no. Nope. No. <laughs> Let me just read it again. So he said he saw um he saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, which is three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked at him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now um, send men to Joppa and call one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Okay. Why didn't this, why didn't the angel just um, just tell Cornelius about Jesus right there and then? He was praying, he was giving, he was um, he was you know doing everything that you would expect um, a good uh, man to do. You know, Reuben has already said that he's he seems more godly than the Jews. So why didn't the angel just just say, look, this is who Jesus is, follow him, etc. This is going to be a bit of a quiet group today. <laughs> Ruben? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess um, God could re reveal them reveal himself to Cornelius directly, but then Peter wouldn't have been blessed from from being involved basically and also he wouldn't have been able to see that as a call to action to then send the message to the gentiles cool all right cool cool we're there we're there we're there right so what we're going to start to see and we're going to um do a bit of an overarching view of this in a minute but we're starting to see um how god is working especially how the holy spirit is working throughout acts um and seemingly quite um under the under the radar, like no one is really following what the Holy Spirit is doing at this point, us as readers, maybe more so, but it seems like he's talking to several different people at several different times um, throughout several different chapters that all kind of culminate in this movement. Um, and we'll kind of cover that as we go along. But yeah, you're right. Um, 
if the angel had just spoke to Cornelius then and told him about Jesus then, then what we're just about to read about Peter um, would would probably not have happened. Right? So let's continue. Um, so I want to read from verse 6. Where are we reading from? Sorry. Um, Acts chapter 10, verse 6. Um, verse 6. He is staying with Simon, the tanner, whose house is by the sea. Who the angels who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called, called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted to eat. He wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, let's stop there, right? Um and I think it's funny that the, uh, Peter's hungry and he falls asleep and he sleeps about food and he dreams about food, right? I just, I just think that's funny. Um, so Peter's here on top of um, his roof, right? Um, and he's hungry, right? So he falls into a trance um, and he starts to dream um, or see a vision. And what's happening in the vision? I always, in my mind, I'm seeing like a massive bed sheet come down. Ooh. I don't know, that doesn't really make sense. But anyway, it's not really about the sheet. Um, I guess just all the animals are in there and it's all things that he'd usually stay away from because they'd be unclean. Um, and then there's a voice that says specifically, just so that he knows it's about him, Peter, get up, kill him and eat them. Right, so something. Why? Why is that? Why is that strange? I mean, I think he must have had some cheese earlier in the day. That's affecting with him because honestly, it's a mad dream. Right. Why? Why? But why is it a mad dream? Why? Why? Uh, why is the command to rise and eat um, a strange request? Because he's a Jew and he doesn't eat those things. He's never eaten them before in his life. So, so there's unclean food on the thing, right? Wait, um, hold on. Sorry, Reese. Can, yeah. can we that? Can we deal the fact that this isn't a case of, oh, he's a little bit like me, where I kind of was raised mostly vegetarian and I dabble, yeah? And yeah. this is a case of, oh, somebody's quit smoking for a long time or something like that, and then they're getting tempted after a long time. This is literally from when he's been young, he's been taught that these things are abhorrent to eat, yeah? 
yeah. there is no natural desire that he would have to eat these things, which is probably what makes it more odd. Agreed. Tyler, are you going to say something? No. Cool. So, um, so, so yes, right. He's he's never eaten this food before. What's also um, interesting is that the the sheep doesn't just have unclean animals on it. It has some clean animals there as well. But um, one of the Pharisaical laws that were um, kind of created um, to um, solidify God's laws um, in in their minds, at least, um, was that if any clean animal, so say if you had a lamb that you were going to eat, if any clean animal like goes and into the midst of unclean animals, so if a lamb goes into the midst of some pigs, the lamb would then be called um, uncommon, um, right? Or, or, or un- sorry, common or unclean, right? So you wouldn't be able to eat that lamb, right? It would be tainted by the pigs almost, right? Now, that's not something that was in Leviticus. That is one of the like extra things that the Pharisees did. But what we see coming down is is not just unclean animals, but you're seeing clean mixed with the unclean, right? And so, and so Peter is saying, and we'll read it in um in in the next verse that he's never eaten anything that is both unclean or that is common, right? So he's never eaten something that has that is unclean to begin with, or anything that is even mixed with unclean things. Yeah. Is an interesting, it's an important distinction. All right, so let's continue. Um, verse 14. I can read. It's fine. Um. 14. Surely not, Lord. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Okay, let's stop there, right? Um, okay, so what did Peter say to God after? After, um, If you have um, red letters in your Bible, um, these are red letter things when it says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Um, and then it says later, um, what God hath cleansed that... Um, call not thou common, right? Or whatever your version says. These are in red letters. So it's Jesus talking, right? And it says, um, and so what did Peter say back to Jesus as he says, rise and eat? These are unclean or impure. I've never eaten anything unclean. Cool. Well, what does he say just before that? Not so, Lord. He says, not so, Lord, right? So he said, um, in fact, that, that, that sentence doesn't actually make too much sense, right? As long as your Lord don't really say no, like, if they're going to tell you to do something, you should do it, right? Go ahead, Ruben. It's almost like you can't mean it. Yeah. That's how I interpret it in my mind. This can't be true. Like, maybe this isn't even God talking to me. That's almost what Peter's kind of thinking. And said, this can't be, um, 
this can't be Jesus. I mean, I've never eaten anything bad like this before. Why would he now change his mind that somehow, um, you know, Jesus needs to come to me and tell me that I it's now okay to eat pork and, and whatever else, right? That can't be right. Yeah, go or whoever else is talking. Anyone, Ruben? No, no I, I, I wasn't saying anything. Thanks. Okay. No All right. Let's. Yeah. So let's. Um. So. So then, what did God? So then, what did God tell him? He said, what God has can not now come. Cool. And then what happened? It happened again. So it happened three times, right? So why did, why, why did it happen three times? I think he couldn't play it off as... Um, Literally, you know, I was joking a little while ago about him having some some cheese or some stimulated food earlier on and just having quite a random dream. But if it's had if he's had the same dream three times, you can't exactly say it's not from God. So 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 you're saying that um just in, oh no, this is this is three times in the same vision, right? So it's not like he woke up again and then went back into the sleep, right? The same thing happened three times. The thing got raised down, couldn't eat, and it came down, rise, couldn't eat, came down again, rise, couldn't eat. Three times the thing happened. You probably didn't check your assurance. Like the first time you could you saying no. You asked the second time, you're thinking, wait, you might, you might hesitate. You asked the third time, you might break down. So just, I think it's reaffirming his choice. Reaffirming, right? It's it's almost like Peter needed the three times that to happen for him to believe that God is actually trying to tell him something. It's like the first time is like, no, no, I'm not happy. It's, it's not happening. Second time, mm, are you sure? Like, are you sure the thing? All right, all right, all right. Okay, I get it. Right, and we see this 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 rule of three with Peter quite a lot. You know, the, the three times he denied Christ, the three times he had to say um, I love you to Christ with, with, with his um, reconciliation. And again, here we see three times yet to see the vision of uh, the, the 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 unclean beast coming down. Okay, verse seventeen says uh, that he doubted himself. Right, so when he came out of the thing, he doubted what God was trying to tell him. Didn't really understand it. Um, and while this is happening, Cornelius is is on his on the way to his house. Yeah, cool. Verse eighteen. Right. Um, this is one of the texts that gets misconstrued quite a lot, right? So a lot of people think that they read this text um, and there's a couple of others in the New Testament that people may look at 
that kind of proves that, oh, you know, the Elizabeth school laws are over. We can eat whatever we want now. You know, um, you know, we can we can eat pork if we want to. We can eat prawns. We can eat whatever you know food that is out there because whatever God has said is clean. Um, you know, no one can call it unclean, right? As we read on the story, we'll clearly understand that God isn't trying to say um, you can eat pork now. In fact, I'm not sure God really um, would come so um, grandly to tell someone they can eat pork. I'm not sure that is really his mission um, out here to be saying, right, yeah, cool, it's time to eat pork, guys, preach the word. You know what I mean? This is clearly not about the unclean and unclean, clean and unclean foods. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Verse, verse 18. Eighteen. They called out, asking if Simon, was, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three, th- Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with him, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius to, from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man who is respected by all Jew, Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. Okay, cool. Um... So here we see maybe a reason why the thing happened three times, right? So the the vision happened three times, or the, the, the image in the vision happened three times, and then three Gentile men come to knock at Peter's door. And so Peter in his mind is maybe thinking, wow, maybe these three people, these three guys that are now asking to hear a word from me, you know, I've been preaching for the last, you know, 10 chapters, um, they're coming to hear a word from me, but they're Gentiles, you know, um, and maybe the three visions is for these three men that are at my door, right? And it is, as I said before, it is, it is frowned upon within Jewish society to allow Gentiles to eat with Jews. So the fact that he's invited him in, right, um, uh, to lodge, it says to lodge with them, right? So, you know, to sleep there, to eat there with them is frowned upon. In fact, um, Peter's actually going to come into some trouble because of this. And so the Jews didn't, you know, oh, you're eating, is is like, there has so many laws about unclean things. Like if you touch a dead body, there'll be things that you had to do to cleanse yourself from that experience. And so eating with Gentiles was almost seen as exactly the same thing even though there was no law about it. In fact, God created the um, Israelite nations so they could spread that throughout the world. But there's this now law, pharisaical law, this thing that came in that said, look, you're not even allowed to eat with Gentiles, right? This is why it was such a big thing when Jesus was eating with so-called sinners, the tax collectors, the, um, the, the lower people of society. Like, why are you eating with them? Because eating with people was such a... Um, a a um a connected thing it was like it was a big deal to eat with someone right Ruben you're gonna say something 
I was trying to supply you with the word. I was going to say, yeah, it's like a familiar thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You only sure. do that with your people. Exactly. You only do that with your people, right? Um, but Peter allows them in because of the vision he had, um, and he's starting to overcome some of his prejudices um, to the Gentiles. So he's like, okay, well, I just had this vision. I can't really turn them away now. Um, so he invites them in. So yeah, from um, verse 24. Sorry, what verse are we starting on? Uh, 24. After they, Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful, it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius... Thy prayer is heard, and thine arms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging; he is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner, by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Awesome. Do you want me to continue or are we good? Um, let's stop here, right? Just so we can recap. So, um, so Peter lets Cornelius in, right? And he starts to um, explain to Cornelius that actually what's, what's happening here isn't usual. Like, um, I wouldn't have usually let you in. Like, you should really be eating here. We have a rule that says that you know, like we can't eat with people from other nations. Um, so like you being here is really strange, actually. I'm not actually used to it. It's a bit weird. Um, so, but God just told me that I shouldn't really be calling people unclean or common. So, okay, you're here. Uh, how come you've been looking for me? And Cornelia starts to talk about all the, the things that we, we, we read earlier in the, um, in the chapter, that, you know, he was praying at the night power. You know, he's been fasting and praying. And from Peter hearing all this, so maybe something is pricking him in his conscience. Wow, this, this, guy is, um, this guy's actually pretty spiritual, right? So he's fasting and praying um, and an angel comes to him in a vision and he says, look, go find this guy, Peter. So here I am. And so Peter's probably thinking, you know what, fair play. God has sent you here. Um, you know, he spoke to me as well. And now we're here and we're going to hear what God has in store for us. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to um, verse 34. 
I can read this bit if you want. Okay. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Oh, a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he, doth, he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. But God raised him up the third day, showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So, what did Peter say to the, um, to the centurion? Was a, what was the um what was the summary of what he said? It's it's like he he said the gospel basically. So, okay, expand on that a bit. Maybe? I mean, I, sorry, I just feel like I'm saying what's pretty obvious. Um, he kind of he just goes through the life, doesn't he? Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, so, he tells so yeah, he... the story of Jesus as they have witnessed it. If that makes sense. So it's yeah. like you know, not like the oh, this is the grand everything. It's like yeah, you know, they're just literally relating what they've seen. He's relating what he's seen. Right, so the centurion is there and he says, look, this is the deal, right? And he goes through, as we've said, he goes through the gospel, relates what he's seen, he says there was this guy who was sent from God and um, God blessed him, he was baptised, God blessed him um, and he walked with God throughout his life doing great miracles, doing good to all these people. Um, but the Jewish people didn't like him. Um, they killed him, hung, up, hung him up on a tree, he died, but guess what? He rose again, um, and that's why we follow him, All right? And Peter actually lays this out really simply. There's no, um, 
there's no grand twist there's no um big speech it's just look this this is what it is and so Shuren is like yeah I'm game right I'm game so um so let's continue verse 44 In fact, before we go to verse 44, right? Verse 43 says, um, to him, all the prophets witness that he, through his name, whoever, shall, whoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Why this is important for the centurion is because Gentiles who believed in God, which is what the centurion was, and we've seen several um, Gentiles who did believe in God, were, were not allowed to go through um, some... Jewish services, mainly the sacrificial services, right? And obviously the sacrificial services were used for the remission of sins. So although, um, you know, Gentiles could pray to God and they could renounce their own gods and they could, um, you know, believe and, and give to the poor and all the rest of it, they weren't allowed to go through the sacrificial service the Jews were, mainly because they weren't circumcised. And so um, they were called um, proselytes, um, I believe proselytes of the gate, something like that, which kind of meant that they were adopted into um, believing in God, but they couldn't really do what Jews did. So this whole, oh, Jesus can actually allow me to have remission of sins. This was a big deal for the centurion because he wasn't allowed that before. Right. And so, um, so that's where we're at. at. Verse 43, so yeah, verse 44. 44. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished by the gift of the Holy Spirit, which had, which, uh, wait, astonished by, um, Astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even to the gen even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. They have received Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Awesome. Okay. And so we see um, the first moving of the Holy Spirit on Gentiles, right? And um, although we've seen, you know, certain Gentiles come and be baptized already, for example, um, the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip, um, this is the first time we've seen it in like a public space. And so Peter allows these Romans to be baptised. Um, and so here's the question, because actually this um, centurion could have gone to see Philip. In fact, Philip lived in um, Caesarea, the same place where the centurion was from. So the angel could, if the angel wasn't going to preach directly to him, he could have just sent him to Philip, which may have been just down the road. In fact, he sells, sends him all the way to Joppa to meet Simon, um, Peter. Um, so that he could hear the, um, the word preached by Peter, right? So, so what is happening in Acts at this point? 
Why did God send him all the way to Peter? Alluded to something like this before, I think. But um, was it the idea of breaking down Peter's own prejudices in regards to who could receive the gospel or not? Uh, partly, yes. Right, partly, yes. But it goes even deeper than that. Right. So this is how the Holy Spirit is has been has been working over the last couple of chapters. Right. So um, we spoke about what the significance of the stoning of Stephen was. Does anyone remember that? what the stoning of Stephen meant for the Jewish people. Yep. Go ahead, Tyler. So it meant that um, the gospel message was to be spread out to the Gentiles and to everybody else, and that the Jews had lost it for themselves. Cool, right? So so Jew, the, the, it, was, it, was the, it was the last day of probation almost for the Jews being the, the people of God. Um, right, it was prophesied that look, you're gonna have until the Messiah comes, he's gonna die and, and raise again, and then you're gonna have another three and a half years of people preaching, right? Um, and if you don't accept it by then, then you know what, we're moving, we're moving on without you, right? So, um, the stoning of Stephen was that event, um, and all of these cogs start moving, right? So, the Holy Spirit is, <laughs> is doing bits from here on out, right? And he was obviously doing bits before. And this is how you know Acts is, although it says Acts of the Apostles, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit, right? So from the stoning of Stephen, we first see that Paul is getting his heart pricked. And Paul is the, uh, as we'll see in future studies, um, Paul is really the, 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 um, the, the, the guy who preaches to the, the Gentiles the most, right? That's why we, we see all of his books of, uh, to Gentile churches. Right. So um, we see Paul get his or Saul get his heart pricked. We then see um, Philip with the Ethiopian unit. Then we see um, Paul get his um, Paul get Saul get changed into Paul with his conversion. Right. Then we see the situation happen with the with the with Cornelius. Now Cornelius, the Holy Spirit could have said, you know what, I'm gonna bring you to Paul. Saul now, Saul cut turning into Paul. And and you know what? Because Paul's gonna be the person who preaches to the Gentiles, this is perfect. But the Holy Spirit knew that Paul wasn't in the right position within the church for him to bring this to the church. Because Paul was new. Paul was the guy who was just um who was just you know, tearing down Christians. And, you know, although, yes, the early church kind of accepted him begrudgingly, um, and that I don't think they ever really were that comfortable with Paul um, as, they, as much as they were with Peter. So because Peter was the leader of the church, Cornelius actually went all the way to Peter so that Peter could be the one to bring this to the church, right? So although Paul's conversion is happening in the background over here, um, Philip is converting a Gentile over here. Paul's conversion is happening over here. Peter's having his vision over here. Cornelius is having his vision over here. Um, and they're all kind of moving together so that eventually we come to 
um, chapter 13, which is Paul's first uh, missionary journey, and all the way to chapter 15, which is when the disciples actually decide whether to accept um, Gentiles into the faith. And so all of this is the, is the work of the Holy Spirit trying to change people's minds um, from this over-Jewish style of thinking to the fact that the gospel is not open to everyone. Now, what's crazy about this is why they took so much convincing. Is those people were astonished that um, that people who weren't circumcised were, were were filled with the Holy Ghost, and yet Jesus, throughout his whole ministry, was saying, you know, um, you know, you need to go. You're going to preach to the in Jerusalem, but to the uttermost parts of the world. It's like they didn't even hear that. It's like um, I I. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, but what? Jesus came to die for, for Gentiles? What? Oh, okay. Um, it's like everything was a surprise. The, the centurion we read earlier, that had the greatest faith that Jesus has ever seen in all of Israel, right? And the disciples that were there to hear that. And yet the centurion is coming and he, he is, um, and he's a good man and he's praying to God. Wow, that's strange. It's like they really had trouble accepting the fact that they weren't um, the only people that could accept this, this gift. And so the Holy Spirit really had to um, deal with them over time, over time to get them to accept that the, the, the message was for everyone, right? So what does that mean for us? question do we also feel like the message is for everyone i think it poses that question to us because sometimes we sit there in our or in our churches and there are times where we are essentially selfish with it, as like congregations, as like churches. Um, and obviously it could be argued that whether that's the, the result of thinking that no one else deserves to hear this or they're not supposed to be in this, or if it's actually just because maybe we're not converted enough to have the zeal to go out and, and spread it. But, yeah, sometimes we kind of get, especially the fact that church is full of traditions and all of that stuff. Sometimes we get so caught up in that that we forget that it's not for, it's not a thing by us for us. It's a thing that's by us for everyone else, and not even by us, but through us. And God's working through us to reach everyone else to get this message out to all the people that need to hear it. For sure. I think sometimes, um, just linking to that, I think sometimes we overcomplicate what we are necessarily trying to preach. For example, um, when we're going to share, you know, on the rare occasion we may share our faith with someone, right? Um, in our minds might be all of the things that the Seventh-day Adventist Church stands for. Sabbath, um, you know, the, uh, our health um, parameters, um, what church life is like, dress code, um, song service, music, this, that, the other, you know, all of the different 
um, both, you know, good things and um, perhaps traditions that we have within our church. Um, we may have all of those things when we're thinking, oh, do I want to bring someone to church? Oh, do I want to share this thing with them? But when Peter preached to Cornelius, he literally just said, look, um, there was this guy called Jesus that we knew. He came from God. He's the son of God. Um, and he died so that we could have eternal life. That was literally his message. There was no of these are the articles in which you need to follow. There wasn't, right, well, we're going to have to circumcise you now so that you can be part of the fold. There was no, um, there was no, you know, these are articles sent down from the Pharisees. This is what you're going to have to follow. There was no, there was no even, you're going to have to throw away this um, idea that you're a Roman centurion. Peter didn't even say, look, for you to do this, you're going to have to give up your job and X, Y, Z, and, and look, this is what it's going to have to be. He just said, there's a guy called Jesus. He loved us so much that he died for us. And now through him, we can have eternal life. That was it. As Ruben said, all he said was the gospel. And so maybe we complicate it sometimes. Um, and that is, I guess, maybe part of the part of our prejudices. What, what else do you think... Um, is is a prejudice that we have within within our church. And Nathan, you mentioned a few that maybe need to be unpicked a little bit. you guys hear me yeah i was literally just gonna say sometimes we almost act like um spirituality has to look a certain way now guys i'm not gonna i'm actually gonna choose not to argue that there is no evidence that you are closer to god that can be seen in life because we all know that there should be a merit but um this idea sometimes that we have that, you know, true Christians, the true, those that are passionate and have the real fruit of the spirit and like the, <laughs> the real Christian zeal among us, that you have to look a certain way. You have to always dress a certain way. You have to um, basically, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying guys, I'm not saying that there are not principles that we should follow but i'm just saying sometimes it's like we get too caught up in the image of it almost and i think it's one of the things that drives people away i also think it's it's wrong to believe that you can do whatever you want and portray yourself as um as spiritual so i think that there is somewhere um in between and not in between to say that there is not standards but just in between to say that god wants authenticity Mm. Ruben? I was reading um, Romans 10 uh, yesterday, I think. And uh, it's got this particular verse where basically the whole passage of scripture 
Hall is basically comparing the um, is he comparing? He's kind of debating the Jews and their way of following the law and saying, oh, they've got the, all of these perks, all of these good things. But actually, where it comes down to it, they're choosing to follow their own prescribed way of the law rather than what it actually is. Um, and I, I asked the boys, I said, uh, you know, this verse where in cha Romans chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, yeah, kind of seems to be the crux of what Paul is saying, where it really is that simple. He's basically saying, you have the word and the promise of God that you've been given. And you can choose to believe it. And if you believe on him, then you're going to be saved by him. Um, for Cornelius, it seems like he wasn't just passively doing these, um, giving alms and praying. The impression is given that he's actually seeking to, to, to kind of get close to God. He's seeking something from God to the point where this might be an answer to his prayers. So again, maybe it's just another lesson for us that, okay, believing and actually going to God and being willing to seek from him, we will get answered to our prayers as well. Um, and it can be simple enough to sometimes just take what we know of him at his word and let him provide the facts of the rest of it. I can't remember what question I was asking, but that's kind of what I wanted to share anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, I do think sometimes we, um, I don't think conscious, consciously we generally say, oh, that person isn't, isn't worthy of the gospel or that person can't be saved. But I think maybe subconsciously, we um, we wait to see if it's worth sharing um, based on, a, on on the person that we based on what we know about that person. So we may say, "Oh, you know, this person, you know, he generally is good at talking. He likes to have a discussion about stuff like this. Maybe I'll bring it up to him." But another person who we don't really think, feel like has an interest in that kind of stuff, we won't. Um, and that's, it may not even be a conscious decision to be like, oh, that's definitely not what I'm doing with that person, definitely what I'm doing with this person. But just, I think subconsciously we make those um, small decisions just based on a judgment call of what we know about that person, what we've seen about them. Um, and I think it's dangerous because, you know, that there could be several people who we have subconsciously thought were lost causes. Um, and not shared with them anything or not not spoken to them about anything like that and you know maybe they were searching for something like that um and you know it maybe it takes a bit of a you know we we talk about um about how to deal with maybe sexism or racism in terms of um in terms of what, subconsciously what um people may be like in terms of their prejudices um, and I think this is the subconscious prejudices that are probably the more dangerous because you don't know you have them. So maybe it takes a, a look at ourselves to think, right, who, who do I feel like I wouldn't share with in my life right now? Like think about all of the people that you know, the people that you speak to, the people who you generally come in contact with, be it friends, be it people at work, be it whoever, 
who do you maybe feel like you would you wouldn't share with um and ask your question and ask, ask the reason why why wouldn't you share with them or why haven't you shared with them um and maybe there is some level of of subconscious behavior in that it's made you think that it's a bit of a long shot so i don't really want to put myself out there for a long shot um and so yeah just something to think about can i just say with the point that you just made you have to wonder do we do that because you know there's they kind of say and i feel like this is the truth um, that when you're properly convicted, it's almost like you cannot help but share. I think that in reality, we know that at any point we're faced with choices. So you could choose to share or choose not to share. But the point that you just made, the point that you guys both were making, is loud about sometimes we write people off. I was literally just thinking, lamenting over times where I know that I promised. I'm just thinking, does it, does it not signal kind of like a distrust of God? Or maybe it's just maybe if not a distrust, then just a lack of faith to say that God's thing has always been tell people and I'll provide the facts. One of the things that we hope as Christians is that we tell people and our example matches what we're saying. And when we say God loves them, we're showing enough love to actually back it up. But even though God knows that we are imperfect vessels and imperfect mediums to try and communicate his love, it's interesting how he still tells us to do it. Like, there's not a point where it's like, oh, wait until you've done this. Oh, take a couple Bible classes before you, <laughs> before you go in. You've got people that are literally just introduced to our, our faith guys that are like, they're like, oh, cool, I'm going to go witness in the, in, in the town. You, you only, the only thing they know is Jesus died. They don't know the kind of like, they don't know all the stories of the Bible. They can't tell you nothing about Abraham or anything. But they're still so excited to, to, to go and tell people. Uh, but yeah, just the, the point that you guys make me is heavy. And it's just a reminder to me that one of the things that I want to focus on and I'm really trying to focus on it and have been this year is kind of like fixing up my example so that when I speak to people there's not as much buzz in that but in reality nothing that we want to do or say disqualifies us from the fact that God said go ye therefore and teach all nations do you get me? Mm -hmm. it was a mandate it was a command and sometimes we're trying to overcomplicate and God's just sitting there like, I told you to do the thing. I told you that I'll give you my power to do the thing. And you're, you're worried about doing it in your power. And so you're not doing it. But, yeah. For sure, for sure. Uh, any other points? I mean, Nathan, you mentioned one one thing. Um, maybe we can finish on um, that. Sometimes we feel like maybe we're not worthy to do X, Y, or Z, um, and that maybe we need to get a bit closer to God before 
we we start sharing you know maybe if they ask ask me a question I don't know the answer to or whatever um just just understand that everyone you know it's not everyone's purpose to to lead a bible study it's not everyone's purpose to preach it's not everyone's purpose to stand up in town and, and street witness it's not everyone's purpose to knock on the door but it is everyone's purpose to minister in some way shape or form and so um and so regardless of where you are in your journey there is still that that expectation from god that you will be a minister in fact that's part of your growth journey um and i can say that from from experience it's part of it's part of growing is being able to minister and so um don't write yourself you may not you may not want to do or may not be able to do may not have the gifts to do what you see other people doing but that doesn't mean that you don't have you can't create your own platform in which you can share um so it's just something to think about as well um but yeah should we uh should we unless there's other any other points we can um pray to close Next. yes and, sorry and, just r- real quick i know i came in basically at the end but um yeah do you know what? i i agree heavily i think sometimes when we when we make it like a thing so put it this way like you know how when we first started off going to um you know feed the homeless and just bring little things here and there Mm. like I don't know about you guys but to me it was it was literally just that it wasn't even a thing of ministry even though it is like in God's eyes that's ministry and that's literally what he called us to do but to me it's just like that's just a human thing see what I'm saying so I don't know if that might help anyone um but just viewing it as like this is just something that you do to help people you know what I mean um I think the pressure kind of comes when we maybe put that um I guess when we look at it through a through a church quote unquote lens, like this is something we have to do, as opposed to just something that you know that you that you just do because you're helping someone in it. For sure, for sure, good point. Thanks. Um, any other points? Okay, cool. Um, Nathan, do you want to pray to close, please? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these guys that have joined the study today. I thank you for um, constantly inspiring us as a group and giving us points, giving us um, reminders of who you are and what you came to do, Lord, and what you want us to take over from, because you're still trying to accomplish your goal, Lord, which is to reconcile everyone and bring everyone back to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you'll please help us, help me, because I know that today's study, which is the reminder that I needed to help us to know that you're the one that supplies the faith. You're the one that supplies the, the, the facts sometimes. And we just need to come with the willingness to be obedient to the things that you want us to do. 
And Lord, if we don't know you enough, then you just want us to bring ourselves into contact with you so that you can work on us, Lord. Everything about you is wanting us to come closer to you so that you can change us and make us into better versions of, not even better versions of ourselves, but Lord, you, you see us in light of everything that we could be. However closed our minds are and however locked up our minds that is of what we are and who we are, you see us with all the potential in the universe. So I pray that you'll please help us that we will understand that your vision of us is perfect and get closer to you so that you can bring that about while choosing to help people, while choosing to be loving, while choosing to let your love to um, flow out of us. Thank you for everyone that was able to join today and thank you for everyone in our group and everyone in our influence world as well. I pray that you'll please help us that we'll keep submitting ourselves to you so that we can be humble and worthy instruments for you to use. Through Jesus' name and for his sake, I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Um, we will be taking a bit of a jump next um, week. Uh, the next study would have been at chapter 12, but we have done that already. Um, it's called Prison Break. It's on the uh, it's on the podcast, so if you do want to listen to it to recap, um, it's there. But we'll be making a bit of a jump next week, probably to either chapter 12, 13 or 14, maybe even 15, but we'll see. Right. Thanks, guys.